You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member of FDIC. Well, welcome to Sunday Coffee. It's a early Sunday coffee. It's a Saturday night Sunday coffee. It's a vigil Sunday coffee. You know, in, in the Catholic Church, you have a vigil mass on Saturday night. It kind of takes the place of Sunday. We're having a vigil Are we? So Sunday coffee. This is not a yell session that uh, Texas A&M has at midnight. Before. No, 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 no. This yeah. is much more reverent. Yeah. So, much it, less it cultish is. and goofy. We are in the Farm Bureau studios here late at night on Saturday night, giving you an early Sunday coffee. We've just endured an 18-inning day in which Mississippi State has swept the mighty Bisons of Lipscomb on the baseball diamond. Charlie, I told you we were going to sweep Lipscomb. No, 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 no. You're the guy in here who said we ought to be doing dances tonight, you know, shoot off fireworks if we took two out of three. Well, the reason I said that. Of course, we shoot off fireworks after losses around here, so what's the, (laughs) I guess that's not that big of a. Well, what I said. We're coming out of the box hot tonight. We are coming out of the box. So, what I said was, I thought we were going to see legitimate pitching, and I I thought we did. I feel, let me tell you this, I feel a lot better. And we said this early in the week. I mean, I don't think we're a bad baseball team at all. I think we we had some tough losses last week. We've had some tough losses here early in the season. Now 11-5 and five after sweeping three from Lipscomb. You've got two games in the midweek against Nickel State and Louisiana Lafayette, even though they don't like to be called Louisiana Lafayette. But we, we're going to see good pitching this weekend, especially on the back end of the bullpen. Hey, Van Treek, that guy for Lipscomb, left-hander, Hey, I mean, there's a lot of SEC schools that like to have a guy like that. Oh, that guy will get drafted. Oh, yeah. In, in a legit spot. I don't mean just, you know, down with the football players and other guys who get drafted just for kicks. He's he's legit. He really is. But that was the thing that got me about Lipscomb, and we knew it from the scouting report. We knew it from the video. But what I did see today was this is a team who ran a number of quality arms out of side of the bullpen. And we still had 18 hits and 17 innings of hitting the baseball today. So we do have our Strange Brew Coffee. And, of course, Sunday Coffee brought to you by our friends at Strange Brew Coffee House. Strange Brew now with four locations. Two here in Startville. They've got the Churn and Spoon Ice Cream in Tupelo at Brupolo. And now in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And on nights like tonight, after we've taken two, we are not drinking decaf. We do have our coffee. And that's the great thing about Strange Brew. Whenever you can't make it to Strange Brew, you can buy your own coffee off of strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. Now, I'm not going to tell you that we bought it from strangebrewcoffeehouse.com because, you know, Shane does like us a lot. And so we have uh, our Strange Brew coffee here at the office. I bought mine. Did you? No, you didn't. Maybe I need to call Shane. Well, um, it's kind of like the country-pleasing sauces, Charlie. (laughs) I got a few bags of it. Did I not bring it up here to the studios? Funny how you forget those things. It's okay. It is. So, Strange Brew Coffee House. All right. Instead of diving in on the play-by-play of how these games ended up, I thought last night winning 8-2, to two, had the big inning 
in the you know in the middle innings, the third inning there, to take the lead, win to eight to two in that one. Come out early today, game one of the doubleheader. And we score two in the third. They answer with two of their own in the fourth. And then we hit the home run. Connor Hyzak, you're talking about pressing the right button. Pinch hit home runs. Connor Hyzak, laser shot to left field, gave us a three to two lead. And we've talked that he's just going to have to play somewhere, somehow. I don't, I don't, I'm not advocating to take anybody out, but he's going to have to give you some good at bats. Uh, I thought, let's talk briefly about game two of the series, game one today. Right. Landon Gartman and Nate Dome teamed up to do a couple of things well. They threw strikes. They worked quickly. Very different styles. But I thought a key in the ball game, actually for both teams, we had a chance to do some real damage in that bottom of the third inning. But they get out of it without a ton of damage. The pitcher did a nice job limiting that that damage. Come back to the top of the fourth, Gartman did the same thing. He had a chance – to have gotten roughed up, did a good job getting out of it, limiting the damage. Boy, and that Isaac pinch hit home run that proved was big. big. It really was. You know, Gartman threw six innings. He gave up two runs, three hits, six strikeouts, two walks. He was a strike thrower. And then Dome on the back end gave up one run on two hits. It was an earned run, but it was a misplayed fly ball out in center field to lead off the ninth inning. Struck out three, and he walked one. And so that's how you win game one. I thought overall, you know, Gerangelo was, was good last night. I thought Gartman was really good. Eintema struggled a little bit early in game three, the second game of the doubleheader today. Only gave up one unearned run. Had two walks in the first inning, but then didn't walk another guy into the sixth inning. I thought Eintema really settled in. And I think that's one of the things that um, is, is, to me, a positive is a guy like Gartman, Gerangelo last night started out a little bit slow, got better as the game went on. You're not seeing adversity hit and these guys mailing it in. And that's the thing with a starting pitcher that you have to have. And it's one of the arguments at some point that I want to have with one of the people who sits in front of us. Because we'll be two batters deep in a game and the guy's screaming, get him out. That, that's you got to have your starting pitcher weather a storm here and there. You do, especially you, in a doubleheader day. Yeah, you, you can't go out there and jerk a guy just because he walks a couple in the first. You you got to hope they figure it out and settle in. I thought Eintema today pitched like a starter. He did. He and did. I, I thought that was important for us. So I thought overall today we used two guys in the first game, and by the way, that was a two and a half hour game. If you've got a double twenty five, if you've got a doubleheader, you get a two twenty five out there. That is big league. And then the second game, we used a number of guys. Eintema drew the start. Holcomb had a tight plate. We're going to hit that drum as hard as we can hit it all season long. The strike zone right now with some of these umpires is a joke. I thought the first guy today, Kelly, was really good behind the plate. I thought Will Posey was tight behind the plate in the second game. Davis came in, gave up. I thought Davis settled in after he gave up that big double. You know, he gets a strikeout. Gibbs pitched okay. Tapper was okay. But I tell you, Casey Hunt at the very end, we needed that from Casey Hunt to bring him in with an eight-run lead and just say, hey, listen, loosen up, relax, throw strikes. Struck out a couple in the ninth inning. And so we used six pitchers in the second game, end up winning. Now, looking back at the first game, I guess one of the things we do need to talk about and because right now, after sweeping three from a, a pretty good Lipscomb team, and I know a lot of people are out there saying, well, they lost nine in a row. I mean, they lost some games. Started out season hot, 
they're better than their record. They really are. And that's not me just saying that. But in the first game, we take a 3-2 lead, misplay a fly ball in center field. It was a line drive you know, right at Ledbetter. Got turned around. Instead of an error, they gave it a double. There was a couple of scoring situations in there today. And Nate Dome is a guy who <laughs> – I think if I were him, I'd be getting on the elevator now and then just going on up to the press box. Saying, what are we doing, Say, guys? Hey, guys, come on. So they end up with first and third, two outs, and you knew what was coming. They're going to start the runner from first. And so you have the pickoff at first base. We've had it three times this year, the, the double steal, the old first and third – and we haven't played it well yet. And it's the old full-arm fake. You full-arm fake the guy between first and second, get him to stop. When you do the full-arm fake, you look at third. If the guy has started, then you can get the guy in the rundown. The full-arm fake and a guy takes off from third, that's what would have happened right there. You throw to the plate, you get the guy out. It's exactly the same. The game has changed in baseball. Baseball, the game has changed. The analytics, the pitch clock, things of that nature. But those first and third double steals have not changed. You saw the same exact play if you went to Winona today in a 9U tournament than you did at Duty Noble today. And it's the same thing back when you were playing the old Matheson Mad Dogs when I was 10 years old. The full arm fake between first and second. Chris Keene. Chris Keene taught us that at 10 years old. Chris Keene, by the way, is the general manager at Cannon Ford in Starkville. If you knew or knew it, needed a newer used car, go by and see Chris. All right? Where's Chris, the guy who taught you that if somebody squares the bunt, just throw at him? <laughs> no, he said if a runner tries to steal home and a guy's trying to square around a bunt, he said go ahead and hit him because it's a dead <laughs> ball and the guy's got to go back to third. I mean, that's the way we played. I mean, we, you know, we're gritty. We're a gritty team. Yeah, that's right. So, newer used car, go by and see Chris, bedliner, whatever you need. Body shop. There's your Canon promo right there. But Chris Keene, who runs the Canon dealership as a general manager, taught us that that full arm fake. I am and sensing, and I I don't want to dig too deep into this, but I, I think I'm picking up on that you're a little frustrated with how we're defending the first and third, the first and third. And situation. so what I thought to me internally, which was very funny today. So you give up that run. It's a tie game. You're tied at three. I had some disgust in my heart. And between the innings, Coach Polk walks in, and he's you know somebody somebody's brought some food, you know brought you know brought us some food up there. They they got some chips in the little box there, and Coach Polk has picked up my bag of chips, which is fine. And he's eating my chips and he's smacking pretty loud, drinking his drink, and he looks at us and says, "Hey, that full arm fake man." got to throw a full-arm fake for the first baseman. That just freezes everything. I'm sitting there going, exactly. So that was a hot-button topic. And so Kellum Clark hitting the home run in the bottom of the ninth inning. Changed the day. It changed. It really changed my mentality, to be honest with you. And so that was that was a big time from Kellum. Yeah, we needed that. And then you move to game two, game three of the series, game two today. Um, what's the story there? I think the hitting. Well, Ross Highfield. Yeah, Ross Highfield, man. Three home runs. Yeah, once again, it was the big inning. You had given up a three spot in the top of the sixth inning. The bases had been loaded. Berg, left-handed hitting catcher for Lipscomb, sprays one the other the other way down into the corner. You kind of misplay it as on, the, on the throw to the plate to get the go-ahead run, and you're down four to three in the sixth inning, game three. And then you come back out in the sixth, and, man, had just an unbelievable – 
bottom of the sixth inning. And Forsyth got it started. It was a walk, wasn't it? Yeah, got it started with a walk. Worked a good walk. And then we bunt him over, and then it just kept turning from there. A walk yeah. to Amani Larry. and Walk to Amani Larry. Led better than walked. And then, you know, Bryce Chance singles to left field, ties the game. Hancock had that big double down the right field line that drove in three. Hey, by the way, you know, Hancock, he, he jumped on that pitch, and that was a big at bat in the game. You know, Hancock had a pretty good weekend this weekend. Luke Hancock's been hitting the ball well. I mean, his average is up to 346 right now. You say Amani Larry's at 352. Ledbetter, 345. Hancock, 346. Bryce Chance, 373. But, hey, Ross Highfield, 406 right now. Doesn't have the number of at-bats, but, I mean, three for five, four RBIs today. What's the slugging right now? Is it 800? Oh, goodness. It's got to be off the charts. 850. He homered uh, three times in the game. He homered right after Hunter Hines pulled one down that right field line. And that was the longest time I've ever seen an umpire try to make a decision of whether the ball was fair or foul. And finally caught it fair. Lipscomb challenged it, and, of course, it it was upheld. And you score seven runs in the inning after Highfield homers. His slugging percentage now is at 906. <laughs> That's pretty good. 906. Heavens. <laughs> you know, think about this. Like, if you were evaluating OPS is the kind of the trend to evaluate hitters in Major League Baseball, right, which is your on-base percentage plus your slugging percentage. An OPS over 900 is really good, and that's only half the equation for him. Right. But we, we haven't even added in his on-base percentage. Hey, here's the thing. When Vanderbilt really had it rolling, and they're off to a slow start this year, but I'm thinking about eight, nine years ago when they first kind of got you know big time and 13, 14, 15 in there when they were so good. It seemed like every year they had one or two freshmen in their lineup. It was almost like they had a really veteran lineup, but then he had like one or two freshmen. I think of Yastrzemski and all those guys that came in and started as freshmen. And you look at this team and you see Highfield, a freshman, Chance, a redshirt freshman who's hitting the ball well, Gerangelo, a true freshman, Mershon is a good freshman as well. I mean, we, we've got some young, talented guys on this team. Hey, and all right, so let's talk about another freshman right now. Let's talk about Dakota Jordan. Yeah. And where you are with him. Dakota starts the season hitting third, getting the start in center field. He had the big home run. Right now, Dakota's hitting 214, 12 strikeouts in 42 at-bats. I think that's part of the challenge he's having right now. Now, he's walked a lot. He's got 10 walks. But it looks like he's having a little bit of trouble with spin, and that's not something that we expected. No, because he hit spin well in the fall – and then early in the spring. And he's kind of, you know, you, you can tell right now that, you know, he's, he's a little frustrated. And here's the thing, though. He's a great – he's going to be a great player for you. We're 12 – what, we're 15 games in, 16 games in? He's played 12 games. He's played 12 games of college baseball. And as much as we know, Ross Highfield is going to come back down to earth. Yeah. Right. He's not going to hit three home runs and a couple of doubles every weekend. He's going to come back down. Dakota Jordan's going to make an adjustment. He's too good a player. But he has to have a little bit of time to adjust. At the same time, and this is the challenge for being a coach, many one of the many challenges of being a coach, you have to find a way to balance that development with winning. Right. And 
you cannot, for the long-term good, give up on Dakota Jordan. Nor would you. I mean, it wouldn't even make no, sense. No, and so th- it goes back to the same thing you saw last year early in the season. You know, there's a lot of people ready to give up on Kellum Clark when he starts out one for 18 at the plate, and the only hit he got was on a 3-0 pitch, you know. And But he got better as the season went on. There were people earlier this year ready to get up, give up on Lane Forsyth because he started so slow. I mean, Lane right now, what's Lane's batting average? 292. He's batting 292, right at 300. He had 270 last year to end the season. You were ready to give up on Scotty DeBrule a few years ago. We've talked about that. And all of a sudden, he's able to play himself back. I mean, baseball is a game. And, I, I mean, I try to tell. Jaeger started off slow last Jaeger year. Jaeger was slow last year. The thing about baseball, and this is going back to the 9U and Winona, is, man, you talk about teaching you levity. I mean, you're talking about teaching you not to get too high, not to get too low. And sometimes it's hard to come out of when you know you're about to get spin and you try to press a little bit too much. This is just the game. It's like golf, man. The more you press, the worse off you are. And and, and we've got a couple of guys who are pressing right now. We do. Now, we've got some guys doing good things. Here was the one of the stats that jumped out to me. Amani Larry, because we always talk about Luke Hancock does a good job taking walks and not striking out. Amani Larry right now struck out four times. 13 walks, four strikeouts. That's pretty impressive. Really is. And what's Amani batting right now? He's hitting 352, and he's got an on-base percentage of 519. So, there's your leadoff guy. Man, you haven't had a leadoff guy. I mean, that's 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 solid. And I don't care. A lot of people, it used to be the old model. You thought of your Vince Coleman's, your Ricky Henderson's, Kenny Lofton. You want a guy up at the top of the order who could steal bases. I don't care. Get on base. Stolen bases are not as big a part of the game now. now well, nobody's getting thrown out anymore. We have what, stolen 27 of 29. Well, that's what I was about to say. Do you start stealing more bases with the pitch clock, with guys thinking about more things up there? Hey, by the way, I know, you know, really, really getting off topic here and shotgunning this thing. Mershon today had as big a lead at first base as I have seen in 10 years. It was almost a walking lead. Yeah. I mean, it was like a Daria. Throw it over <laughs> Throw here. Throw it over here. Yeah, I mean, and it was like, when are you going to steal? You've got that huge lead out there. When are you going to steal? And he finally did. It was almost like he was standing on top of the bag when he the throw came in. So I, here's the bottom line for me. Not just in the wins. Uh, you've won five straight games. Not just winning the games, though. This team is playing better baseball. Also, however, there's still a lot of things to clean up, which in some degree means – we still have ways to get better, meaning yesterday we saw a couple of balls, not ruled errors, but they were in foul territory. You could have made a play. You didn't. We don't execute the run. Now, there's still things to clean up and do better, but we're also improving. Ross Highfield, we've talked about Ross having trouble behind the plate with pass balls. Didn't see one today. No. And, hey, let me tell you, what he did today may be one of the most unsung hero type things for a catcher. He saw Eintema, and you brought this up on the broadcast, and I thought it was a great point you brought up, Charlie. Eintema's out there, a left-hander who has some movement. You know, he's got movement both ways, pitched it well, and then all of a sudden, in a big moment, you bring in Colby Holcomb, who's throwing 95 with gas from the right side, who's got a little movement as well, and then all of a sudden he gets a pitch down. And I just thought that – he handled – got to handle different styles of pitchers 
and he looked more comfortable today. The other thing about blocking here, and I suppose it ought to be easier than dirt. It ought to be have some advantage for us early in the year. But that home plate area is – you get some weird bounces off that turf, man. And I don't know what – I think you've got dinner plans later. Um, what, what are you doing late night? You'll go get a box cutter. We'll just take that out. You got a four-wheeler? We'll just put put a chain around just something roll it up. and just start pulling. I'm telling you, man, um, I got no problem, and I'm I'm different than you. I got no problem with, with the artificial turf and file territory. That's fine. Oh, it's it's the aesthetics, I know. But you have so much on and off the field and practices, camps, things of that nature. It gets worn down a little bit. That's okay. I don't like it. Would I prefer? Hey, you're talking to an agronomist. You're talking to a guy who graduated in grass here. You have turned your back on the grass world, as best I can tell. No, but I'm not turning it on the dirt world. This cannot. <laughs> you're you're pro dirt now. I'm pro, I am pro dirt, and I understand all the reasons. And all the coaches will say, "Man, it's just so much easier to, to get out there, and you don't have to rake it up, and it's easier to just get out there and take." Well, it's BP. easier to put on flip flops every day, but you know what? I tie my shoes. But I don't want. I don't want to hear easy. But I don't want to hear it. Here's what I'd love to see in college baseball. If I were the czar of college baseball for one day, is I would make it just like the major league rules. You can have your turf fields. You can turf everything you want to turf. I don't care. But the mound and the plate has to be dirt. That's a no. Minor, I'm a big that big believer. The minor in that. That's a minor league rule. You have got to have dirt on the mound and dirt at the plate. And that's, and maybe I'm wrong. I will admit it if I'm wrong, but I will I will debate anyone on that topic. But You're the, a purist. I am a absolute purist. No, I I just think my other rule, but it's got to be all or nothing. Do you? Well, I know. I'm okay with ha- I'm okay with that rule, but as respects the playing surface foul territory, because if you think about it, we actually have turf inside the baseline. Yeah. The baseline's turf, but we're off on an agronomy issue. I'm sorry. Here's the bottom line. What are we going to do with it when we tear it up with a box cutter? Uh, I'm not even sure a high school team would want it here for <laughs> remnants. <laughs> oh, anyway, while we're talking about subjects about overthinking, one of the things that is great is our good friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland is producing the finest U.S. farm-raised catfish you can possibly eat. We talked about it on on in our, our midweek show this past week, and we talked about Jerry's Catfish House down on Highway 49 in Florence. Jerry's may be the best or one of the best catfish houses I've ever been to. It's the Igloo on the east side of Highway 49, and it's right beside our good friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. It's like the miracle mile of food. It is. So you can stop by. What you can do is you get ready to go to Jerry's, and they've got all kind of stuff at Jerry's, hamburger, steak, whatever. But the catfish is what they're known for. You're kind of dismissing the hamburger steak there. No. But what I'm saying is is you can go buy the Country Meat Packers store, pick up all this great food to take home for the grill, and then go have your great catfish dinner at Jerry's Catfish in Florence. And that's serviced by our good friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland producing the finest U.S. farm-raised catfish right here in the state of Mississippi over in Itabina. So go by Jerry's and get that great catfish. All right, Charlie, men's basketball. Hey, we're going to have a show. Quick announcement. 
you and I are going to have a reaction show. And that's one of the reasons we're doing this tonight. Yes, tomorrow, right about the time that the announcement is made, you and I are going to hook up together, link up the satellites, and we're going to have a show to react. A reaction show for men's basketball, the announcement. And that reaction could involve a number of things. It could involve an epic rant. Oh, it's not going to happen. We're going to get in. We're going to get in, Charlie. I'm, I'm, I'm glass. Stop it. Glass three quarter full right here. No, what you are right now, it, you're you're a jinx. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Well, so what do we have to have? I mean, UAB still playing right now. We we're, we're rooting against UAB. They're getting pounded right now by Florida Atlantic. They're down 17, 13 minutes to play as we record. I'm telling you, I think we're good. We may have to go to Dayton. No, no. All right, so here goes. Do you still consider the Dayton games as play-in games? I consider Dayton games as making the NCAA tournament. I do. Would you have but for the fact that we're on the the Dayton bubble? No, I'm fine with it. Because, hey, those are well-watched games. What, what do I care if some guy up in his <laughs> mom's basement in Jersey is watching us? But it gets you in, and it, it – it gets you in, and I mean, I, think about that. How many times have I heard? I gotta, I gotta have it one second here. How many times over the years have I heard the justification of we need to play BYU on a Thursday night because a lot of people are going to be watching? What do I care? What do I? Is there anybody? Is, is there anybody in Fargo who says, man, you know what? That Tolu Smith can really play. I need to get an application in down there. Hey, it, it would surprise you, and we've been surprised of how many people watch our baseball games. I mean, we talked to Pat Casey, who's a former head coach at Oregon State, and he says, hey, I watch you guys all the time. Probably with the sound off if he's smart. Yeah. Well, and that brings up another thing. Okay. And I'm going to be very delicate here because I am. we are team players. You and I have been doing this now for a long time. They started the SEC network in 2015. And so we did have some some social media uh, engagement today, social media, text, and hey, I'm not making excuses. I'm just I'm just saying the facts here. So softball was being played today at home against Oklahoma, which was on the SEC network. And so when that happens, in this sense, they use our production room and crew to handle that national broadcast on the SEC network. And so it is spring break, and it seems like I'm about to make I'm, – I'm making a thousand excuses, which I'm not. And you, uh, you have a lot of these young people who are ready to go on spring break, and you may not have as full a crew as you possibly can. And, yeah, we're, we're well aware – <laughs> there was there were some hiccups on the uh, on the production side on the broadcast today. Now there are certain people out there, like you just said, that uh, may not like the announcers as well, which is understandable. It's like music and food. Sometimes like my mom, I think, is on that list. Yeah, my mom doesn't even watch anymore. She used <laughs> to watch every game of broadcast, but now I mean, hey, geez, my mom. You're on your own from here. Huh? My mom, my wife, they don't care. They ain't watching. It. Anyway, is that about as nice a way as I can put it, Charlie? I thought it was factual. Okay. And so, yeah, the, 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 it is I will say this. When we get messages during games, 
we can't always respond to them, but we we do see them, and we we pass along things where we can. And uh, and you have to understand. And too. understand. Yeah, absolutely, very understandable. You do have to understand too. At the end of the day, you and I talking to a microphone. We can pass along everything, but that's all we can do. We can't move microphones. We can't move microphones. We can't do anything with a video board. I would love to, but we do forward things along to let them know. So just just know that your thoughts and prayers were try to be answered. Okay. All right. So basketball wise, that was you know an addendum. So basketball wise, we're going to come in here tomorrow night and we're going to talk about us going to the NCAA tournament. And that brings up another thing. A lot of speculation, some in the state trying to foster the speculation about Chris Chance and whether Chris Chance is going to leave. And here's my position on this. Chris Chance is going to leave Mississippi State. I don't know whether it will be when he retires. I don't know whether it will be next year. I don't know whether it will be because he's terminated. But coaches do leave. Now, the idea that Chris Jans is unhappy in Starkville, I've saw that in some screenshots tweet out today. I'll just tell you this. There aren't many things in life I'm certain of. That, however, is 100% absolutely, positively, unfounded, and untrue. I can't, and I was trying to think about this the other day, and when you start talking about the quote, he doesn't like Starkville. There aren't many coaches, and Lamonis has done a good job of this too, of being engaged in the community. Let me tell you, Chris Jan, Sherry, let me you won't find a basketball coach in a division one setting that is as engaged in their hometown than the one they're living in than Chris Jans and Sherry Jans. Am I wrong for saying that? No, 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 no. I mean, look, we actually have a set of coaches right now in all our big sports who are, are a couple of things. One, they support each other. Two, they're ingrained in the community. I mean, it's <laughs> that you could say a lot of things. You could say, look, Chris Jans is going to leave for a better job, and we can talk about what better means. But to say he doesn't like it here, is that part is just, just not true. He's the not, other thing you'd have to know—he's not spending seven months of his life on a boat in Boca Raton. No, he's not. And and you know what? Chris Chance is a small town guy to begin with. It isn't like we brought in Rick Patino. Yeah. You know, it's not like you brought in a guy who's a big city guy and now can't make an adjustment. Chris Chance has always been a small town guy. He, he's fine now. What do I hope we do at Mississippi State? I hope we hang on to him because, number one, I think he's an outstanding coach. I think he's a really good basketball coach. And the fact that we have made it to, I think you could say, on the eve of a bid to the NCAA, we're right there, feel like we're going to be. You hope nothing crazy happens tonight and tomorrow, but you feel like we're there with a team that can't shoot. I mean, and and then people are saying, "What well, was his job to get people?" Chris Chan's didn't get to recruit. I mean, he has come in. So, and and how on earth you, you how you have a connection with a group of college basketball players to get them to play this hard is absolutely phenomenal. And 
this is a team that is going to make it to the NCAA tournament if they do, and I think they will, on just effort and guts. Yeah, they will. Um, now, I hope we keep him here, and that involves a lot of things. It involves crowd support. It involves uh, resources. A lot of people get hung up on salary. Well, we got to pay somebody more. we got to pay somebody more. Look, uh, NIL matters. I'll just, I'm not going to get off on the NIL drum tonight. Everybody knows where I stand. But it matters, and it's one of the things that helps keep coaches where they are. And so I hope that this fan base will make the commitment to him that they need to. The university is going to do its part. And by that, I mean showing up, supporting, and, heck, man, maybe even making a road trip. Let's see where we go. Yeah. All right. Um, we had our two brothers, two players that could smoke you on our Tracks Plus deep dig the other day. Tracks Plus, I went down and spent some time with those guys early in the week, and, man, it's always great to do that. And it's just absolutely amazing to see how that business has grown. And, of course, they're the original place, and that's where I went to. They've got new offices, and they've expanded the base for their service center. Great service center down in Hickory, Mississippi. Of course, in Starkville, Columbus, between Starkville and Columbus on Highway 82. You've got Bessemer, Alabama, Alexandria, Louisiana, and then down in Summit, Mississippi, and southwest Mississippi. Sales staff is outstanding for the Forester, the construction, the dirt contractor. Man, they just continue to add gadgets and big machines that are just so cool. And But, they're, but they hey, the rental business is growing well, so our good friends at Tracks Plus go to TracksPlus.com and see their inventory. I just wonder this. Do you think they would let me no. lease something for a weekend? I've got some dirt. I need to do some work. I don't know if they would let you lease it. They would probably let me lease it if I promised to come up here and run it on your property because I do have some experience. So do I. No, you, you drove You drove for 15 seconds and cut a donut. In the- but it was a memorable 15. I packed more into that 15 seconds. <laughs> that most skid steer operators pack into a lifetime. <laughs> it's like riding a mechanical bull. You know, once you do it one time, you know. <laughs> We're locked in now. Yeah. All right. So that'll do it. Once again, thanks to our good friends at Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. Have agents all across the state of Mississippi and the great customer service of our good friends at Farm Bureau. So Charlie and I will come back. Hey, is the women's selection show tomorrow? When do they select? I'm glad you asked that question because we're getting in the women's NCAA tournament as well. Sam Purcell and his team, they're going dancing as well. Yes, that'd be 7 o'clock. Yeah, so you got back-to-back tomorrow. You got men, then the women. So, hey, it's been a while since we had the men and the women together in the tournament. I'm telling you, we're getting in. If we don't. No, you better be. You know, it's gonna be. We're gonna need something stronger than coffee tomorrow night, and we're gonna test that insurance policy on that bookshelf right there. <laughs> well, look, man, this would be one at the end of the year we could go back and say a bucket at Missouri, a bucket. There's a lot of places. Just one more basket, one more three point shot, and we're sitting here talking about where whether we're the eight or the nine seed. But let me let you in on something, Bart. I think one of the worst seeds in the tournament is the eight is or nine. Eight or nine. Oh yeah, because you get the one right there next. I think you're better off being an eleven. You are, and I'm telling you, hey, I've said this all season long. Is I think we're a tough tournament team. 
I mean, I think we are – you get us outside the league, outside the SEC, when people have to scout you and they're not used to seeing the style of defense that we go after you with, with doubling down on that baseline, we give you a different look. And especially if you could win that first game, the second time, the second game you play, when somebody really hasn't had a chance to scout you for an entire week, we could be a tough team tournament-wise. No, I think we can, but – We'll break that down tomorrow night, and I don't know what is going to be a selection show special. It will be. Hey, enjoyed it as always. It's been a long day today. It's been a fun day today. State winning the doubleheader against Lipscomb. Once again, thanks to our good friends at Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. We're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Startville. Our good friends at Strange Brew Coffee House. Go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. You can order that coffee, the same coffee that we're drinking tonight. It's fantastic. Got us through the day today at the ballpark, strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. Our good friends at Tracks Plus, Country Pleasing Sausage, Heartland Catfish. And, of course, you can get that great Heartland Catfish at Jerry's Catfish House down in Florence. Cannon Ford of Startwell. And then, once again, our good friends at Bank First. Go to bankfirstfs.com for all your lending needs. So, for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on a Saturday night version of Sunday Coffee.